27th of March 2015, standing on the stage of London's West End Fortune Theatre, alone, preparing to deliver a speech that I'd been tasked with memorising, to an empty theatre aside from a handful of colleagues and our tutor. Palms sweating, heart racing. How do professionals do this night after night to a packed audience? Here we go. Lights, no camera, and action. Another chapter in my career story was about to be written. When it comes to your career, there really is no one formula for success. And if someone had asked me 20 years ago what career I would be working in today, I doubt I would have said employer branding, a career that didn't even exist at the time. Some of the best stories I've ever heard didn't follow a plan. They simply embraced the journey. And that's why I've created this podcast, to share the many career stories that have shaped the people behind them, and to encourage future generations to trust more in the process instead of stressing over getting it right the first time. I'm Steve, and welcome to the My Career Story Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the My Career Story Podcast with this week's wonderful guest, Joanne Conway, Diversity, Inclusion and Belonging Strategy Lead at EY UK and I. Joanne and I first met over five years ago after both successfully applying to EY's Rapid Development Programme, uh, an internal leadership development scheme for managers and future leaders within the firm. And the career moment from my own story that you've just heard me reflecting upon was the culmination of a two-day acting workshop which focused on helping us to perfect our communication skills, where we'd been asked to prepare for two performances on the West End's Fortune Theatre stage. So no pressure whatsoever there. Um, The second performance was a group effort, with the 12 of us performing a short play on the theme of diversity and inclusion to a selected audience of our line managers and direct reports. Uh, We'd chosen to base our West End Spectacular on a comedy version of Downton Abbey, where I'd played the part of the gay butler, coming to terms with his sexuality, adorning a rainbow clown wig and a bright pink tutu. No surprises there. Um, The first performance had been our one-man woman shows, um, which were three minutes stood alone on the same stage delivering a speech of our choice, uh, the objective being to deliver with impact and volume. Uh, the tutor was sat on the back row of the upper circle, judging our ability to project our voices. Now, in neither of our careers at EY do I think we'd anticipated staring out into the darkness with a spotlight shining on our faces, stood on a West End stage to be part of the EY experience. But that just goes to show. I remember nervously waiting and watching Joanne deliver the poem she'd chosen. She did very well. Um, And I'd chosen to share the speech, Stay Hungry, Stay Foolish, given by the late Steve Jobs, CEO of Apple and Pixar Animation Studios at the time of its delivery at Stanford University in 2005. There were many things about that speech which continue to resonate with me today, and particularly the piece around connecting the dots, um, something I've mentioned in my very first pod back in June. Um, which I struggled with on my own, which career, no idea, career journey. But also this quote, which I'd like to share with you today, and I'll share the link to the entire speech in the show notes at the end. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Everything else is secondary. 
Now, this is an important message that I often have to remind myself about in my new journey as a business owner, which tallies well with what I mentioned in last week's pod, but it's one which I can also see from following Joanne's continued career EY since I moved on last year. A career which is going from strength to strength as I see it. So, Joanne is proud to be listed on the Northern Power Women's Future Top 50 list and nominated on the Northern Power Women's Power List 2020, and she is a diversity, inclusion and belonging lead for UK and I at EY. She also leads the gender and belonging gender for EY UK. Joanne previously led the global DNI strategy for EY and is an accredited facilitator in inclusive leadership. With a background in finance and psychology, she builds trusting relationships and focuses on outcome-driven results to build sustainable culture change. Joanne works hard to champion diverse talent, ensuring all voices are heard and is passionate in her role as a mentor internally and externally. She has just completed a part-time master's in HR management and develop at Salford University with a dissertation on psychological safety in minority groups. Joanne works full-time, flexibly, as well as the most important job of being a mum to two children. And I'm excited to have Joanne on the telephone with me today. Hi, Steve. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's really nice to hear your voice. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's I know. It's been every year since I left EY. I know, so much happening. I know, and I know that you've been doing lots of um, great things since, and we've already had a chat around um, your own career story, which is one of the reasons that I reached out to you, so I'm just going to dive straight into this and say, Joanne, what is your career story? Thank you. Um, Well, actually, I had a pretty non-traditional route into my career. I definitely wouldn't have imagined that I would be where I am today, um, if I think back. Um, I actually left school with my GCSEs and a BTEC in business and I just went straight into into working. So I was originally started out in retail working in a really busy petrol station that actually went on to manage in my very early 20s before making a move into a business environment. My first professional experience came with GE Capital Bank, where I worked in a call centre. And and this gave me a really great grounding in getting the basics around customer service and and just some really key transferable skills that I could bring with me um, in in my future career. And it gave me a real appetite actually to learn and, and, and to progress. And as with most call centres, the shifts were not great. So after a couple of years and and getting some experience under my belt, I started to look at what other options and and started working with a company called Veritas, who were a software company. And I was working in account management there. And what I really learned early on from this is that what I didn't have in traditional academic credentials, I made up for in my genuine eagerness to learn and and to try new things. Um, I was always the first person to put up my hand for new projects and I gained a reputation for seeing things through to completion. And at this point, the organization then, after being with them for a couple of years, um, merged with Symantec software, which brought with it a lot of change and uncertainty um, and redundancy for some. And for me, this is where I started to appreciate the value of building strong relationships and having a real positive can-do attitude. Um, And with the merger, I was actually promoted to team leader and was given the responsibility to set up, train and manage a brand new team. And that was just a fantastic experience from a confidence building perspective and just a a really um, a next level on my career journey. 
So after doing that for a, a number of years, I, I wanted to look out for something new and, and, and look for a fresh challenge. And, and that's where I came across the role at EY. Um, and I actually started off with EY as a, um, in an admin role within finance. And actually, interestingly, I remember um, when I went for the interview, I interviewed with a partner and a director. And one of the um, one of the things that they asked me was, you know, how, how would you feel if you had to um, stand in front of a room of, of senior leaders and really hold them to account for their projects and their working capital? Is that something that you're going to be confident in doing? And I remember saying, absolutely, yeah, that's definitely something that I can do, look forward to it. And walking out of the, the interview and thinking, oh my God, how am I ever going to be able to do that? But actually, <laughs> I was successful into the role. And um, you know what, I did that all the time. And it was something that I really thrived on, just being able to um, build relationships with people, gain their trust, and, and actually help support them through managing their, their projects. Um, and, and I'm still in contact with many of the people that I worked with in the Dublin office to this day. So one of the things, um, you know, that are really pivotal to my career actually within EY is after working with EY for six years in the Dublin office and I moved from where I started out in that that finance role to managing um, people within that same role again. So having a team of, of people that I was supporting and managing, which is where my real love for um, coaching and learning came from as well. But at around that time, um, my, when I was pregnant with my son, who's now 10, my husband was made redundant. So at the time we thought, well, okay, this is great. He can stay at home for a while and we can have some um, more support. So we did that and six months turned into a year and I'd gone back to, to work and he stayed at home and he was a, a stay at home dad. Um, and then, um, you know, another year turned into another year. And then after another couple of years and another baby, we, we then realized that actually maybe he's not going to get a job anytime soon. And when I went back to work the second time around after my um, second maternity leave, it was at that point that my husband said, look, you know, really want to get back into work. It's been four years now. You know, I think we need to think about perhaps relocating. Um, and it was then that I spoke to my leaders who were based in the UK and asked them about, you know, if something comes up, would this be feasible? Could I, could we move um, and continue doing the self, same role that I'm doing now or one similar, but, but doing it from the UK? So as you can imagine, this was quite a stressful time for us and, and quite, you know, um, when I look back on it, a really, really challenging time in our lives, but actually one of the best things that we ever did when I when I look at where we are now and, and all that we've achieved not just um, for myself individually but but for us as a family um, so we made that that jump and we moved some people might think we were mad we had a three-year-old and a nine-month-old <laughs> and if I'd have known maybe I wouldn't have done but you know we we moved um, and EY were fantastic and really just helping me um, with flexible working and, and just understanding that you know it takes a little bit of time to um, set up nurseries and, and all of the different things so really having that support meant um, meant a lot and was really helpful um, and I think that's key to anybody that's that's a working parent is having that flexibility at work can really make a big difference for for you and it was definitely really important to, to us. Um, so after um, you know 
for when we moved over my husband did get work so that was that was great and he was you know obviously really happy to be back in in the workforce and that's really important from a mental health perspective as well we have to really make sure that we look out for each other um and what I found really difficult at that time actually was coming from a role where I had worked my way up, that I knew everybody, that I knew how all of the processes worked. And even though it was the same organization in a similar role, there was actually quite a lot of, of things that were different. And I had to go back into my, my toolkit and really think about what are all of the things that I've done in the past that have helped me to navigate through change? How have I really kind of just been resilient and, and get through things that are tough? Um, and while it was a tough time, actually, what I found was that really just building relationships, asking for help, asking questions, getting involved in different projects. And what I quickly realized was that in the UK, there were even more opportunities for, for me to actually progress, um, including um, the opportunity to go on a, uh, a leadership program, the Rapid Development Program, Steve, which is where I, I met you and we were on yeah, that program is. together. Yeah. And it was... Um, a really important time for me as well from a personal perspective because I got to look back on um, just my own career journey and, and really start to think about where do I want to go and where do I see myself in the future where I don't think I'd really done that before I'd, I'd come straight out of school I didn't necessarily have any clear role models or direction about where to go or what to do so I, I had just kind of navigated along um, depending on on the role that I was in and, and just doing the best within that role so it was a great opportunity to, to self-reflect and take some coaching um, you know, individual coaching and peer-to-peer -peer coaching. And it was at that time that I really, um, really decided that I wanted to move from finance into a more people people role. So move into the talent space on a full-time basis where in my role within finance, I'd already started to take on quite a bit of responsibility from a people perspective. But I thought this is something that I really want to do full-time and, and what can I start to do? What steps can I put in place to start to do that? Um, so what I did start to do was think about, you know, a longer term plan. It, you know, I think often when people are moving from one role to another or, or changing their course that they think that it can happen overnight. Whereas actually, you know, people ask me about moving from finance into a diversity and inclusiveness role. It's something that was quite purposeful and something that I had to work on for a number of years before I made the transition into that role. So I started off by um, work shadowing, by understanding how the, the the talent space worked what were the different roles that existed um, linking in with diversity and inclusiveness team and finding out what their key priorities were and then coming back to finance leadership and saying you know on top of my core role as long as I'm delivering on what I what I'm meant to be doing can I take on an additional role of being a um a DNI rep for finance, which means I'll help you meet your ambitions because ultimately, you know, we, we've got this, um, this these ambitions for a UK firm, and actually, if I can help you achieve them in finance, then it's going to be good for business as well. So, thankfully, they were really supportive of that, and that was something that I did um, for about a year, which really set me up for um, when a position came up in the global DNI team where they were looking for somebody to um, to build out a DNI strategy for them. I was able to articulate and, and show my experience of working in finance, bringing you know a range of skills from project management to um, influencing senior stakeholders to um, to 
in addition to the the DNI um, experience that I got from from doing the work shadowing and the extra networking. So. I um, was successful in that application and then I started my role in the um, global DNI space, which was a huge difference for me moving from a UK finance role into a global and, you know, a completely new discipline. So it was a real, um, a real learning for me. Um, probably some of the, the biggest challenges within that as well is, is really just giving yourself a break around how much time it can take to get up to speed with these things because I am quite ambitious I do have high expectations of myself which can be um, you know can be quite challenging so I really relied on my the network that I had so the mentors and the sponsors and just the peer relationships that I had with people to check in with them and see am I am I on the right course you know and, and am I doing okay with um you know just kind of going over the strategy with them and getting their expertise on it and that helped me build up my knowledge and my confidence and at the same time I decided to start a um, CIPD level five in HR um, management and development to just give me that extra um, academic experience so I think one of the things that as I navigated through my career up to that point, I always felt like there was something missing. I'd always wanted to to, to go to university um, and I could have gone to university with, with my grades, but I just didn't have that opportunity to do it. So I was really excited that um, the EY sponsored me to actually to go back and do that. So it was, um, yeah, just, just having that extra academic knowledge helped build my confidence and, and the, um, the skills that I had then in delivering on that role and some of the things that I did within that were you know building out the the strategy across over 100 countries and 15 different functions and and being able to build like really strong relationships with people virtually is something that I really thrive on doing and something that was really critical to that role but from doing that, I spent a lot of time with our EY technology team and had the opportunity to go out and do a lot of work with women in tech. And we went to Argentina, we went to, um, to the US, we went to India, where we delivered a lot of sessions around creating a culture of belonging um, and, you know, building confidence and really just helping to build a, a more inclusive culture and that was something that I, I really enjoyed doing so um, what I wanted to do then was also after doing this for three years was was to get some more local experience so often people will move from um, a local role into a global role and I had gone straight from finance into a global DNI role and I really wanted to to get some more hands-on on the ground experience at a more um, UK geography level so um, at this point, the UK um, DNI team were building out a brand new strategy refresh, which was really exciting. And I'd been part of part of that build out um, with my um, global DNI role on, and, and and was part of that as a as a stakeholder. But actually, then once a position came up within that team to join them and, and lead that strategy um, in January, I applied and was successful in that role and. Um, at the same time um, of doing that as well I was just coming up to completing my master's so after completing my level five CIPD I um, some people may say crazily went on to do my master's um, which was you know a really really busy time um, between working full-time being a, a mom and making sure that I was able to to really 
be the the best for everybody and sometimes that can be a real a real juggle but um i had a you know massively supportive husband who would look after the kids for the weekend while i locked myself in a library when i was working on my dissertation um and you know just having that balance of of being able to feel that you were doing enough in each of the areas in your life can be quite difficult but i think if you've got that support at home and you've got that support in work it, it does make a, a big difference for you and recognizing that it's for you know a short period of time so i did my master's over two years so um knowing that it wasn't going to be forever and actually it was a great investment not just for me but for our family as well because it's going to support the my career development so when i um, completed my dissertation which was in psychological safety in minority groups that's something that I'm really, really interested in. And I continue to, to learn on that topic. And actually one of our pillars um, within the UK DNI strategy is around creating a stronger sense of belonging for all of our people. So that's something that I continue to, um, to drive along with our other pillars across the DNI strategy. And um, I guess one of the, the, the key things for me throughout all of my career journey has been just to really um, support each other as well as we go along on this journey. So there's often been times throughout my career that I haven't been sure about something or I was hesitant to, to step forward. And I've always had somebody that I could go and speak to. Um, and I think it's really important that a, you know, as an individual that you are not afraid to ask those questions, that even if you think that there isn't that space to do that, that actually most people will be more than happy to either share their career advice with you or ask you or, um, you know, let you work shadow them or, or share what they're doing so that you can, mm -hmm. you can continue to learn. Um, and it's important for me to, to pass that back on as well. So doing mentoring um, and, and sponsoring people within the business as well as, is, is really important to me because I've definitely seen the benefits of that for myself as, as I've navigated throughout my career um, right back from you know leaving school with my GCSEs to now um, leading on a, a UK and I DNI strategy across 15,000 employees uh, you know I, I never thought that I would be doing such a role but it's something that, um, that I absolutely love doing and you know will continue to, to learn no doubt and probably sign up to another course in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> there's a really um i'm just going to jump in there because there's some um parallels with a lot of the reading that i'm doing at the moment i'm, I'm a big fan of um brene brown and i was mm -hmm. listening to some stuff on audible last night about vulnerability and i think that ties in really nicely with the work around belonging and inclusiveness and when you've got people that you're working with that actually might be a little bit nervous about highlighting things that they need to develop or that they're failing at there's a really there's a really nice um kind of theme there that you're talking to around actually a supportive workplace is one that gives people that space to to make mistakes to be authentic and to, to thrive in that way would you agree yeah definitely you know Steve it's exactly like that you know being able to to speak up being able to take a risk to take a chance these are all of the things that really create a sense of belonging if you don't feel that you can do that then you're not going to be able to to bring your whole self and you're not going to be able to ultimately just like be be your best and operate at your best so it's hugely important and something that we, we work hard at every day but you know it's the everyday inclusive behaviors that that people do that that will ultimately create create that culture mm, absolutely
So what um, you've kind of hinted at a few things along the way, but I'm going to ask you to kind of to kind of nail them for me. You mentioned a toolkit mm-hmm. of things that you've got. What are the things that make you a successful um, businesswoman? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think it's going back to remembering what I bring. Um, so, you know, the, the things that I bring to any situation will be a positive solution driven attitude. I will be thinking about what is best for the team. What is the best for the business? How can we come up with um, creative ideas? How can we hear each other's voices to make sure that we've got um a way forward and and that's something that as I've worked through a lot of change you know within my career and my own personal life is that if you bring that positive attitude that it does make a huge difference because we're going to be there anyway so you might as well come with ideas and um and and just a a positive mindset and I think that that has been a, a real um uh, yeah just a real um piece of my toolkit along with making sure that I do what I say I'm going to do that's been key to me even right back from the very beginning of my career if I was given something and I wasn't sure how to do it I would always ask I would always make sure that whoever I was going to deliver something to that if there was something came up along the way um that I would just communicate that so I think communication is one of my um one of my strengths and I always make sure that I, I communicate with my with my stakeholders, with my peers, with my team, and I think that that's really where you see um, sometimes where if there's a gap between um, people feeling engaged, it it's often comes down to communication. So I think the toolkit I have is actually just looking back and remembering what I've got, so that you know if I do feel that that it, you know it's stressful or if I am starting to question my, myself that I look back and think actually you know what you've got this you can do it um, and I genuinely believe that if I put my mind to something that, that I can do it you know I might not have all the answers now but I will ask the right questions I will find out the right people and I won't give up and I think that's probably me in a nutshell is that I, I just don't give up yeah that's great um, and what what is something that you're loving about your career right now Joanne? Um, I love the that I'm always learning. I love the fact that I get to work with people every day, that I get to make a difference. So really, um, a lot of what I do is around listening to what people are thinking, feeling, what do they want, you know, what are their hopes and wishes for the future, um, and then and then identifying ways that we can um, that we can put things in place or, or change things to make sure that people are getting the culture that that they want to to work in. And that's something that I really I really love to do. Um, and flexible working for me is key as well you know I dropped my children to to school this morning I'm back at my desk for nine o'clock and and um, being able to do that is hugely important for me and and um, it helps me to 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 thrive even more and be able to do more within my own work Mm. and you've you've got a very busy life by the sound of it how do you take time out for Joanne oh good question um I run so that's probably my my piece of of time just for me so I will although I'm always busy I will you know I don't work weekends I will always have time for my family which is really important to me so if I've got to get something done I'll I'll get it done but you know weekends for me are non-negotiable that's the time with family and then on the weekend I'll usually go for for a long run with a couple of my friends and and where I live there's a reservoir and we'll run around the trees and the trees 
trees are like my my mecca so once I they kind of give me energy for the week um, and that's really important to me is just kind of have that time to connect connect with nature I guess and get get out and get some fresh air yeah that's great I'm looking out of my window as you're saying that I'm thinking I need to go and do a training run for my half at the weekend <laughs> and thinking no don't rain oh. <laughs> You have to do it no matter what. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I'm mindful of time, so I'm going to um, wrap things up. But what I'm going to mm-hmm. do is I'm going to ask you the question that you knew was coming in terms of um, what is your best piece of career advice that you've got for anybody that's listening today? I think the biggest, the best piece of advice I would give is believe in yourself and don't be afraid to put up your hand if you're not sure how to do something just put your hand up and try it anyway. Just, you know, be afraid to, to, you know, don't be afraid to take a chance, actually put yourself forward for things because you never know where it's going to, where it's going to lead you. If I didn't put my hand up all of those times, I wouldn't be sitting here today. Um, And I think that sometimes we can hesitate um, in putting ourselves forward. Whereas actually, you know what, just put your hand up and, and people will, will be more than happy to to give you a chance and, and just ask questions. Mm-hmm. I'm going to actually ask you another question after you've just said that, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. Has, has, has there been a time um, you mentioned um, about uh, when, it was either when we were chatting before or as part of this interview and kind of when you've said, oh, yeah, I can do that. And then you thought afterwards, oh, how am I going to do that? Has mm-hmm. there been a time when you put yourself forward for something and then you haven't been able to deliver it or you've really struggled? How did you get through that? Um I don't think I don't there wouldn't be I don't think there's a time that I haven't been able to deliver I think there's probably been times when I put my hands up for something and then it's been massively outside of my comfort zone and Mm -hmm. I've had to work really really hard to do it so you know um even things like speaking at at events you know when I when I wasn't used to doing that I remember saying that I would speak at an event and and I had never done it before and I was so nervous um, but I, I, I had said it, I committed myself to do it. So sometimes I'll, I'll put myself forward for things because I know that I can't get out of it, but it's, it's my way of kind of pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. Um, and what I did there is I went and asked people that I had seen. So within my network that I knew were confident at giving, um, speaking in public or where I'd seen them and been really inspired by the way that they did it authentically. And, and I mm-hmm. went and talked to them and asked them for some tips around like, what can I do? How can I practice? And actually was really surprised to hear that they were just as nervous, even though they didn't look it. So that, you know, they gave me some tips around it. Um, and the main thing was about being authentic and, and, you know, not reading from a script. And, and that's where I've, I've um, yeah, that's probably, one of the one of the key things and, and within projects as well that the role that I took in in the exec, the executive the global DNI role that was a huge stretch for me I had no experience in in working in in a global um organization but I I worked really really hard to build out relationships with people who had and just ask questions I read a lot I watched you know so many different um listened to podcasts and and got ideas from things and just tried things and some things worked and some things didn't and I just had to get used to that and and kind of be really agile around okay I'll I'll build this out and I'll present it and if it doesn't work I'll take their feedback on board so it was a real learning of, of listening to feedback of what was working and what didn't and and then just kind of taking that on board and and moving forward so that was probably the biggest um the biggest stretch I had but you know what after three years of of being in that role I achieved so much that I just would never have thought possible yeah 
I'm glad I asked that question. That was a really good answer. I think there's going to be lots that people can take away from that. Thank you for that. Oh, good. Great. Well, thank you very much for your time. If you don't mind, I'm going to pop a link in the show notes through to maybe your LinkedIn or something like yeah, that in case people want to connect with you, because I'm sure there's some people out there that might want to reach out and, and to connect with you. But um, thank you very much for your time today. And I look forward to seeing you in person soon. Maybe when next time when I'm up in Manchester. Oh, lovely. That'd be brilliant. Thanks, Steve. Great. Thanks, Joanne. All Bye. right. Take care. Bye-bye.